0: While the ushers are taking that up, you can go ahead and pull out of your worship folders uh, your sermon notes, and I actually do have the right sermon on my iPad today. Somebody uh, said it looked like uh, they were about to call 911 on me Wednesday night. I had put Sunday sermon up again on my iPad. Y'all about to get it a second time on Wednesday, so uh, but I do have the right one today. Uh, well, you know, when I started working in hospitals... Uh, I was working at Metairie Hospital, and and we had a series of break-ins in our doctors' offices, and and uh, when this never could catch the person, there was never like a broken glass or anything on the outside, but the offices were being broken into, and money was being stolen. And so I was I was all the time coming out and and meeting the police at night, and I was a single dad way back then, and so my daughter was little bitty, and I'd put her wrapped in blankets and pillows on the sofa. In our administration offices, while I'd be out dealing with the police uh you know at at the office, she went to work with me a lot back then and uh and so um you know we'd have that, and we'd send dogs into the building and we were always hoping the dog got to bite somebody you know and and uh and they never found anybody and so one day, one of the offices they had a fingerprint on a on a box on a money box that they were able to find, and um we'd given all the information of our night shift, because it's all happening at the night, uh, to anybody that might have access to those buildings. And one of our maintenance guys, we didn't know this, had, a, had done time at Angola. And uh, and guess what? The fingerprints matched. And so they brought him into the administrative offices, and they were they were doing good cop, bad cop. You've probably seen that on TV. I didn't know they really did that, but they did. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the guys were really after him. And finally the guy said, look, we know that you took $4,000 out of that box. And this guy said, no, I didn't. I only got $1,500 out of that box. <laughs> I mean, there comes a point where sometimes you just got to say, I did it, right? <laughs> I mean, I did it. He, he did it, and he kind of admitted it. And, uh, you know, I mean, y'all, know, y'all, y'all do that too. I mean, you know, what do you do when a police officer pulls in behind you and you're driving? What do you do? Somebody tell them, you slow down, don't you? Even if you are going a speed limit, which, by the way, every deputy I've ever ridden with hates it when you do that, all right? And, uh, and so, but, you know, it's just reactionary because we know, right, at some point we've been speeding, and so we've got a guilty conscience, so we're going to deal with a guilty conscience today. Look at James 2.10, and, and, and this, is, this is for those of us that think we can get away with it. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. And so listen, there's, there's no way, you say, when you look at that, you go, there's no way I can keep them all. I can't even keep the 10 the way Jesus described them because you think it, you did it, you know. Uh, you know and and uh, how many of you, y'all broke one of those laws on the way over here? I guarantee somebody sped on the way over here besides me. And, um, and so we know if we break one, we're as guilty of breaking them all. And so we've got to learn how to deal with guilt. Now, because of that, we do run around with guilty conscience. That's that whole thing I'm going to slow down when the police pull up behind me. He just wanted to get past you. He's maybe going on a call, didn't require lights, but they're kind of, they, they kind of drive to get from point A to point B quickly. And, and, uh, and so when people just slow down and, and get real slow when they pull up, drives them crazy. But we're going to look at guilt and grace this morning not from the police officer's perspective, but from God's perspective. And, and, and God's perspective is this. When we commit one sin, even a little one, we're guilty of all of them. All of us have done this, and so we're all in the same boat. So don't, don't you might think, well, I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't committed adultery. But he said if you've committed one, you've, you're equally guilt. See, we, we try and prioritize our sins, right? All of your sins are bad, but mine are okay. That's kind of the way we think. And and so we're going to look at that a little bit. So let's look at what guilt really is, and uh, and so we know what guilt feels like, right? I mean, David kind of described it so well in Psalm thirty eight four. He said, "My guilt overwhelms me." He said it overwhelms. Me. anybody ever just been overwhelmed with guilt? I mean, it will control your behavior, controls your moods. He said it's a burden that's too heavy to bear, and and so we know what that feels like. We've been burdened. We've been overwhelmed. And we felt that feeling of, oh, man, I hope nobody ever finds that out. Because if they do, they won't like me, they won't accept me, they're going to kick me out of this church or whatever. We've all had those thoughts about that. And so, you know, we're going to look at that. And and, and one thing is we think sometimes we think guilt is a punishment that God has sent to us because we did something bad, and he's just going to make us feel bad for a while, right? Well, that's not what guilt is. It's way more than that. And so, uh, write this down. Guilt is a warning light. Guilt's a warning light. I had a friend one time. He had a daughter that was driving, and and, and matter of fact, we were eating at Kukos, and he call. He gets a call. Him and his wife are sitting there, and uh, we're eating lunch, and he gets a call. His daughter's car had quit running uh, out by UNO, and so he's talking to her. And he's asking her, and she said, well, this little red light's been on for a few days, but I didn't know what it was. See, she had a warning light came on. And when that little warning light comes on, it's saying at some point in the near future your car's going to quit running. She had run it out of oil and locked it up. So, I mean, you know, uh, we, we, it, here's the thing. When that warning light comes on, you don't flick it to break the light. Uh, you know, you, you want to see what's going wrong you know, because something's wrong and needs to be fixed. I mean, picture this. You and your wife are drowning, driving down the road, and she says, what was that? I heard a noise in the engine. Sounds like something's wrong. And what do we say, guys? I didn't hear anything. Now, she's got a pretty good ear, you know, and she's usually hearing something that's actually there. And And so you know, though, if you admit something's wrong, you're going to have to stop and fix it. So you don't hear, you just say, I don't hear anything. Now, for some of us, are not mechanical the engine has got to fall out before we hear it right but you know it's kind of like it's not hot and I'm not here but i mean uh you know it it you know you don't want to fix it now that's unfortunately the way too many of us deal with our guilt we don't want to admit that there's anything wrong you know we 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 ignore it and pretend it's not there but the truth is something is wrong when we're walking around with that guilt and it needs to be fixed and so you know when it comes to a car I could try and fix it, and, and that wouldn't be very good. Or I can take it to the manufacturer and get it fixed. Now, when it comes to us, we need to go to the manufacturer. That's God. And so we want to see what God says about that, and, and, and we need to do that with our lives. That warning light that comes on is saying, hey, you need to spend more time with the Lord. You need to spend more time in the Word. You need to spend more time uh, with your family. Whatever it is, those warning lights come on. Warning light might be a heart attack, might be an illness, might be a nervous break. Whatever those warning lights are, they give us warning. So we want to look at, at uh, the, how, to, how we deal with guilt and God deals with guilt. But first I want to go over what guilt is and guilt isn't. There's two kinds of guilt. So read with me in 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, for the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience, that's guilt, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. So he's saying the kind of sorrow, that's, that's the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, leads us away from sin. In other words, God's guilt leads us to turn away from doing what we're doing towards him. He said, but worldly sorrow, or I'm going to call it shame, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So write this down. There's two kinds of guilt. The first, there's genuine guilt. That's when you do something wrong and you're guilty, all right? You do something wrong, you're guilty. You hurt someone, you did it. You, you lied, you did it. You didn't do what you're supposed to, you did it. That's genuine guilt. You hurt somebody, you feel guilty about it. And, and so, uh, and we'll talk more in detail about that. Then there's false guilt or shame. Write that down. Shame says you're a bad person. Not that you did something bad. You're a bad person. It's like when the light comes on on the dashboard saying your car needs to get fixed. Instead of taking it to the mechanic to get it fixed, you go, oh, what would they think if my light's on? Well, I don't know. They're going to think I'm a bad person because of my warning light came on, and, and, and you're not going to go get it fixed. And it, I mean, you know, and, and, and so it's like if you're dealing with false guilt, you probably get these mental thoughts that come into your head, and they go something like this. You think that's enough? That's not enough. Or you call yourself acceptable? Look at all the things you hadn't done. I mean, you've disappointed all these people. You ever think those thoughts? I'm just not enough. What I've done, I hadn't done enough. I hadn't read enough. You hadn't read enough chapters today. You only read 52 chapters of the Bible. You know? I mean, guys, when I was in seminary, they'd talk about these guys. Oh, yeah, this guy spends eight hours a day in prayer. And I'd go, well, he ain't in seminary either. I mean, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, but, but, you know, and you feel guilty about that. And so those kind of thoughts, they happen. They pop in your brain. Sometimes people who struggle with false guilt struggle with it because of someone else's sin. Maybe you grew up in a home where there was a lot of manipulation going on. Uh, you know, people will try and manipulate you with guilt. Doesn't really work with me too much, but that's because Kathy says I have no conscience. But uh, anyway, but but maybe somebody abused you and you've, you've got issues because of uh, of that you struggle with that false guilt where you just feel guilt like if it's you do anything somebody looks at you i'm sorry i'm sorry i did i'm sorry i did that wrong you know there's also times we can't get past that false guilt because of our past anybody i I don't want you to raise your hands but some of us if some of y'all have even told me this that you've done so much you don't see how god can forgive you for what you've done and maybe maybe i've heard guys say, what i've done can't be forgiven and uh and and so you know you just can't get past it. you might say i've 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 asked god a thousand times but I just don't feel forgiven. And Paul's going to address that. See, a lot of times we struggle with shame. We try and struggle with that because we're trying to do more and more for God, getting him to like us more. Getting him, you know, we want God to like us more. I feel this way because I didn't pray long enough today. I didn't pray six hours, eight hours like somebody did. Or, or you know, I, I, I would have guys that, that would say that and, that. and I was in a, in a ministry where we had to raise money. And they always talk about this one missionary that, um, that never asked for money, but God always provided for him. That's one out of 500 million missionaries that's ever been that, that didn't have to ask for money. The rest of them have had to ask for money to go on the mission field. So, you know, But uh, this guy just didn't want to go asking, and consequently, he never went out on the mission field. But we struggle because we want to do more. Look what Galatians 3.3 3 says. This is for people we try and do more for the Lord. How foolish can you be, Paul said, after starting your new lives in the spirit, by faith is what he's saying, why are you now trying to become perfect or mature by human effort? In other words, we started depending on God and now we're dependent on ourselves. Paul's saying that's stupid, it's foolish. And, and that, but it happens. We start out good and we fall back into those old habits of trying to be good enough ourselves. And listen, there's nothing you or I can do to be good enough. And when Christ makes us good, here's the thing. I always know this. If, if somebody hates you enough to die killing you, you can't make them mad, all right? We got some people in this world that just because you're an American would love to kill you and they don't mind if they die doing it. I, I, it doesn't matter what I do. People say, well, don't do this. It'll make them mad. They're already mad. But here's the opposite of that. If somebody loves you enough, to die in your place. There's nothing you can do to make them love you more. And that's where we are with Jesus. He loves you, and, uh, but we always trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to make him love us more. We're trying to be acceptable. So we're going, we're going to, uh, you know, uh, see how we can get around this. How can you tell the difference between the two kinds of guilt? That's what we want to look at. I want to give you some tests. Number one, is the focus on people or is it on God? See, false guilt comes from the judgment of other people. We worry about what other people think. What are they going to think if you get up there and your language isn't right? What are you? Gonna, what are they going to think if they see that warning light on? True guilt, though, comes from the judgment of God. You know, if you're struggling with false guilt, uh, you'll find yourself striving for the approval of other people all the time. And it'll and and, and when you get some, you want more. You need more. You got to have more. And and so you're always striving for that. That approval from other people, the real problem, you know, with false guilt though, is that it wears you out because you can't, you can't bear up under it. You'll never be able to be good enough when you're trying to be good enough. The second one, is it vague or is it specific? People say that are struggling with false guilt. It's like a cloud. I just feel bad. I feel guilty. I don't know what about. What What do you feel guilty about? Well, I don't know. Guilty. Have you ever felt that way? Am I the only one? Have you ever felt that way? A lot of us have. We just feel guilty. Almost all the time when it's vague, foggy feeling of guilt, it is Satan talking to you and not God. You need to understand that. See, when God tells you you've done something wrong, when it, he's specific. When God tells you to do something, you've done something wrong, he's not vague. He zeroes in on what you did. And he'll say, Robert, when you said this, you were wrong. Robert, when you told everybody to turn their clocks back an hour, you were backwards. And you were wrong. And if they're not in church, it's your fault this Sunday, not their fault. See, he's specific. He doesn't say, Robert, I don't know why these people didn't come to church today. See, God's specific. He tells you you've done something wrong. He tells you. What, he want, what you've done so you'll do it right next time. And he says, here, Robert, you've done this wrong. Let me help you do it right. Let me help you make it. Let me help you. Let me help you. You didn't, you didn't forgive that person. Let's forgive them and, and let's move on. So if it's a vague feeling, it's not from God. So those of you that are struggling with that cloud of guilt feeling, that's not what God wants. That's not from God. God, God will tell you what you did wrong, but he'll say, listen, let me help you up and let me help you fix that. Does that make sense? Thirdly, is it based on rules of relationship? See, when you're false guilt, you got this feeling of, I broke the rules. Oh, man, I broke the rules. Some people are so focused on rules. So focused on rules and roles. I mean, I, I've known people, you know, uh, that in relationships they're focused on rules and roles. Uh, or is it based on a relationship? See, genuine guilt makes you feel more like I hurt somebody. And and uh, and so look at what Psalms 51 says. David, after he sinned, uh, you know, David wrote this after he sinned against Bathsheba by committing adultery with her. Then he killed her husband, who was a loyal soldier of his. But here's what he said to God. He said, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And he said, you're proved right when you say, and what you say in your judgment against me is just. David, though, here as he was talking to God, even though he did this horrible thing, he knew who the sin was against. He said, God, I sinned against you. I've hurt you. I've hurt your feelings. I've gone against what you told me to do. I've broken our relationship. Because, see, David had had a prophet from God come and say, you're the man. You're guilty. And he accepted that. And he said, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. He didn't want to break that relationship that he had with God. That's the difference. Rules, you're, you're worried about the rules. And when rules become more important than a relationship, it becomes religion instead of a faith that's alive. See, false guilt binds us, uh, blinds us to the miraculous work God's doing in people's lives. And it ties us to rules that are made up by people and not by God. So whatever kind of guilt that you struggle with, whether it's true guilt, you've done something wrong, or whether it's this false guilt that you need to not be struggling with, well, we have ways of dealing with it, and God has ways of dealing with it. So let's look at our way of handling guilt, write this down, shame, hiding, and blaming. Shame, hiding, and blaming. I mean, remember, guilt's a warning light, and, uh, and so what, what are you going to do when that light goes off? Well, typically, we like to either shame, some, live in shame, or hide, or blame other people, and and we've been doing that all the way since Adam and Eve. And so we're going to look at Genesis 3. And, uh, and so what's happened here is God told Adam and Eve, you can, have, you can have everything in Best Buy but this one little thing. I mean, the garden. But this one little thing. Be like saying, hey, look, you can have anything you want but one. And, and they decided they had to have that one. And, and so uh, here's what happened in verse 7. It said, at that moment, their eyes were opened. They, could, they saw right and wrong, good and evil, just like God did. And look what it said. And they suddenly felt what? Shame. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Anybody ever had a fig tree? That was uncomfortable. i can just tell you. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. Why was God walking in the garden? He came down from heaven and fellowshiped and hung out, drank a cup of coffee. I don't know, with Adam and Eve. You know, he hung out with them. I mean, I think coffee must be spiritual because we do that all the time, right? Let's go have a cup of coffee or whatever. And, and so he says, where are you? And the man replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. God said, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Then you got to love what the man said. The man said, it was a woman you gave me. She gave me some fruit, and I ate it. So, uh, you know, I've heard guys, I've heard guys, let me just say, guys, we're just, we're not real bright sometimes. I've heard guys try and blame the woman. Say, women are weaker because she got deceived, that the devil deceived her. Well, the Bible says Adam was right there with her. And, and so she got deceived by Satan and said, here, you eat one. And he goes, okay. Give me a break. All right. So how do we respond? We respond with shame. Write that down. We respond with shame. I used to have fun when I was in seminary with some of these nuts. And uh, we feel bad about it. I mean, shame is I just feel bad. I feel bad about it. We think in today's culture, if we can just feel bad enough, that's good. That's good. I mean, you know, I, oh, oh, I feel bad. You just don't know how bad I feel. Okay, well I'm glad you feel bad. Have your insurance company pay my building. I mean, you know, simple as that. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, we feel bad enough. It'll be all right. Listen, shame doesn't work. Didn't work for Adam and Eve. I mean, they putting on fig leaves. Not comfortable. It didn't work for them. And and uh, and and so you know, shame. What shame does is shame says you are a bad person. Doesn't say you did something wrong. It says you're a bad person. I walk around I'm ashamed of who I am. The second way we respond is we respond by hiding. What did they do when they heard God coming? They hid. They put those fig leaves on and they hid in the bushes from God. <laughs> As if God didn't know where they were. He said, where are you? Is anybody in this room or online really think God didn't know where they were? <laughs> he knows everything, y'all. And, and so, sh- you know, they're hiding, uh, you know. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we hide, though. We like to hide when we do something wrong. Anybody ever hidden? I remember when I derailed a train, and the police, I don't know why, I'd already spoken with FBI and everything at school, and I was so shocked when that police car pulled up in my driveway. I went and hid in the woods. We had 50 acres of woods. But you know what? Eventually, I had to come home. Eventually, I was in the fifth grade. I was a crossing guard, model student up until that point. And, uh, and, and so... It was real quiet in my house, except for my brother was laughing because he knew I was going to get killed and he'd get all my toys. <laughs> the go-kart would be his all by himself. And, uh, but I hid. That's what we do. We hide. It doesn't work because eventually you get found out. you know. And so uh, we, we respond by hiding. That's what Adam and Eve did. It didn't work. The third thing we do is we get caught. We blame people. We blame somebody. We blame people. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. He catches them in this lie about eating the fruit. You know he, he uh you know he, he's, they, he they've eaten off the tree, and, and he said, "Did you eat off that tree?" And the man says, "Well, you know it was, it was the woman you gave me." and the, And God looks at the woman and she says, "Well, look, it was that snake and, and God looked at the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. I mean, you know it, it, it just was the way it was. I mean, uh, you know and y'all do the same thing. We do the same thing today. Y'all know I used to have trouble getting through security at the airport, right? And, uh, and so there was a guy named Robert Story that we're looking for. He's on a terror watch list. And, and uh, he had a different middle initial, a different birthday, different driver's license number. But every time I would, I would, get, I would get stopped. So we're coming back from somewhere, and, and Pastor Kathy had put her ID in her bag. And, and so she tells the guy, I said, I don't have my ID. So our luggage is right there. So he tags one of the bags, has no ID he tagged my bag okay so we go through security sir would you step over here take everything I mean I got my belt off my shoes are off they're sniffing the inside of my shoes which killed something but uh you know they're looking at my belt little kids are walking by going look mommy a terrorist and so they're saying and I'm going it was her it was her she's the one that didn't have an ID <laughs> no different than Adam okay <laughs> I mean it was her <laughs> But they still patted me down and just about did a body cavity search. It was humiliating. And uh, so, but, you know, that's just what we, it's easy to try and blame our way out of trouble. And we all do it. There's a young man and a, and a young lady, they were going to church, and they heard this noise in the car. And uh said, that sounded terrible. So he pulled over, he pulled over on the road, looked at it, everything looked all right. And uh, and so he called a mechanic and said that sounds bad the noise you're describing you should have somebody tow you in he said no nah. he said look there's another mechanic just a few miles down the road he's about 20 miles from church and so he's he's uh, he's going to drive to church well he gets back on the freeway and he's driving all of a sudden clunk the back wheel falls off and passes him and uh, and so you know everything looked good to him but it wasn't good so he just thought he'd drive it well. Here's the thing. Let me ask you this. What do you do when the wheels fall off? What do you do when the wheels fall off? I mean, you, you've looked at everything, and you thought you could go a little further. Then it stopped working. Blaming and shaming doesn't work anymore. Hiding doesn't work. None of that works anymore. So what do you do? We need to do it our way or we can do it God's way. And maybe it's time we look at what God's way is. So let's look at God's way of handling guilt. I want you to write this word one word down. It's called grace. It's called grace. And, uh, and, and so it's just getting something we don't deserve from God. We don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve all, any of this from God. But it's his grace gives that to us. I love this verse. I learned it when I first became a Christian. It's 1 John 1.9. It said, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Now you can go ahead and circle, confess our sins. Excuse me. He is faithful and just and forgiven. We're going to look at that. So number one, he says, confess your sins. This is where you get with God and you tell God, hey, I did it. It's not a mistake, it's a sin. It's not an issue, it's a sin. It's not, you know, a prejudice, it's a sin. And and so we tell him, you know, these aren't just problems. These are my sins. And so we look at that. And so what is a sin? I want you to know sin is an easy way to remember it. This is not deep theological, but you, what's the middle letter in that word sin? I. See, sin is all about me. It's all about me getting what I want, and I don't care about what you want, God. I don't care about what you want. It's about me, me, me. And, uh, and so sin is basically me leaving God out. Me leaving God out. And and so that's what we do. We we say, God, I was wrong. I left you out. So when when you confess your sin, you tell God that you left him out, and because of it, you've messed things up. That's your next blank. You've left him out, and because of it, you have messed things up. Now, usually when it comes to sin, we do one of two things. We try and cover it up, or we face up to it. Now, when you face up to it, you got to tell God that you're facing up to it. So how do we confess to sin? We tell him. He actually already knows, as we've kind of discussed. You know, look at Psalm 69 5. He said, God, David said, God, you know I've done well, what I've done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. Listen, there's no way you, when you when you do it, I remember Charles Stanley talking one time. He was he was talking about prayer. And he said, I was praying one morning, and he said, I saw what God was coming after. And I said, in Jesus' name, amen, so I could get out of it. But God didn't stop. He knows what we've done before we tell him. He's just waiting for us to come clean with him. And we tell him, we confess that sin. Confessing to God, actually, write this down. This is important. Is agreeing with him about what you did. It's agreeing with him about what you did. Come on back in the back. There you go. It literally means to say the same thing that God says. So you're saying, God, I agree with you, and I, I know it hurts you, and I know it hurts someone else, and God, I know you say this is wrong, and so I'm agreeing that what I've done is wrong. And you do this in prayer. Prayer is just a conversation we have with God. I mean, you know, what you, what a good exercise sometimes is, is maybe write, write down some of the sins you're wanting to confess. Hopefully it will fit on one piece of paper. Some of y'all maybe might need to bring a notepad with you. I don't know. But then you pray First John 1, 9 where it says he, if you confess, he forgives. If you confess, he forgives. You confess that. You agree with God. Hey, what I've done is wrong. And then watch God forgive it. If you either burn it or shred it. One of the two. As a visual to seeing God forgive that. And listen, God doesn't bring it up again. Your wife might, but God won't. You agree with God about what you did. The Bible also encourages us. To tell a trusted friend. Now we have forgiveness when we confess to God. You get healing when you tell a friend. Look what James five sixteen said: Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. You want to. You want to have somebody in your life that you can that can know your dirt and still like you, and they can pray with you and help you. It might be a, a relative, might be just a friend. Could be. I mean, you're welcome to talk to. That's why we eat together. That's why we have small groups so you have opportunity to meet somebody that you can connect with, that you can trust, that can say, hey, Robert, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And, uh, and so that's what you want to do. You want to have a trusted friend. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And, uh, and so healing takes place. When we talk to that friend, there's just something about bringing stuff out of the dark into the light with somebody it helps if it's a temptation you're facing, and somebody else knows about that temptation. Temptation gone, baby. Temptation gone, and uh, and that's what happens. You might be thinking you've tried this over and over and over and over again, and it just hadn't worked. You're still full of guilt. This is where number two, you've got to trust God's character. You've got to trust God's character. Look, He said, "One, confess your sins," and it wasn't say after that He is faithful and just. To forgive him. He is faithful and just. Those are character statements about God. Those are statements about he is he is faithful. You can count on him. He's faithful. He's just. You can count on him. You can count on his love. You can count on his faithfulness. Too many people are afraid to get close to God because they don't feel forgiven. They think they're going to feel worse. But the truth of the matter is, the fact is that you get closer to God, the more forgiven you will feel. The closer you get to God, the more forgiven you will feel. And, and, and so as you draw close to him, you don't feel condemnation when you've confessed to him and you're continually getting closer to him. Man, you just feel more and more of his love and forgiveness. <clears throat> Look at this verse, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and sure faith because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. Who makes us free? God makes us free. And because of that, we can, we can draw near to God. See, Jesus forgives our sins, and he frees us from walking around with a guilty conscience. When you grow closer to the Lord, you experience his forgiveness. It frees you to enjoy living and be the person God created you to be in the first place. You don't, you don't, listen, you don't become what God wants you to be through guilt and shame. You become who God wants you to be through grace and his love. Number three is accept God's forgiveness. Now, some of y'all, this is hard. See, God's word said if you confess your sins, he will forgive them. But, you know, uh, it, it's, it's difficult sometimes. But listen, he, goes, he, he said not only will I forgive you, I'll cleanse you from your unrighteousness. I want you to understand, he says, he says this, he will forgive you of all your sin. Now, listen, all, the Greek word for all is all. Means everything, all of it. He'll forgive every sin. There's no sin that you commit that, when you repent from, he won't forgive. And uh, and so, when you confess your sin, he can and he does forgive you. Look at John three eighteen. Jesus said, "People who believe in God's Son are not judged guilty." So, if you've placed your belief in God's Son in Jesus, you've got a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. Doesn't matter how many times you come to church. I was baptized as a baby, went through confirmation. I'd have busted hell wide open until I was 17 and accepted Christ. That's when I had no longer had a religion. I had a relationship. And people who believe in God's Son are not judged guilty. Those who don't believe have already been judged guilty because they've not believed in God's one and only Son. See, our salvation is in Jesus. That's why you're out in the public square. You can mention God all you want to. You say, Jesus? people start getting all squirmy with you. Listen, you've got to put your faith in Jesus, and when you do, you're not judged guilty. If you've trusted Jesus and believe that He's paid the price for your sin, the question I would ask you is, why are you judging yourself and still going around feeling guilty and shameful? Don't you think that's been long enough that you can just accept His forgiveness now? Because, see, Jesus said you're not guilty. Now, if you've never trusted Jesus, I want to tell you today, Jesus is waiting to tell you not guilty. Not guilty. So why in the world wouldn't you take up that offer, that offer? Listen, a lot of people think when they die, they're going to stand before the pearly gates and they're going to be judged. Good or bad, I want to tell you something. Don't work that way. The judgment's occurring now. You See, all that work, that judgment's been taken care of here in this life. And you can settle that today. That judgment's taking place by whether or not when you die you have Christ in your heart or you don't have Christ in your heart. See, God's willing to declare you not guilty if you'll just give your life to Jesus. If you'll just give your life to Jesus. Listen, none of us deserve that. But God gives it to us. It's called grace. Does that mean we're going to be perfect from now on out? Nope. It doesn't. But when you fall, you get up, you confess your sin to God, He forgives you and helps you go right on along. Listen, I mean, we've had people in here have surgery. I've had a surgery. I remember a procedure I got last year uh, made me just do a happy dance. I had health insurance because the bill was $21,000. And it was like, whoa, you know, but what if you had surgery and you got a bill and you opened it up and it said zero on the bottom. It said, we've paid this bill in full. You'd be going, okay, well, that's good, but it's probably a glitch or something in their accounting because no hospital no self respect in hospital, is going to send me a bill, said Mark paid in full. But then with that bill, you got a letter, had the CEO's letterhead on it and had his name on it. It said, just in case our accounting department gets confused, we want you to show this to them. It shows that your bill has been paid in full. That'd give you a little bit more confidence, wouldn't it? Would it? Well, see, we've got that letter. It's from God. It's called the Bible, the Word of God. And in there, he says, if you accept my son, Your bill is paid in full. Your bill's paid in full. So the next time the devil and his accounting department accuse you and say, you're just not good enough, you use the word of God and you chase him off. You know, I know, listen, I know we've got people that are listening to me, whether you're in this room or somewhere else, you've struggled with being forgiven. You feel like that what you've done, you can't be forgiven for. You've done it so many times, you can't be forgiven. How in the world could God forgive me? Well, look, when you pick up your Bible and read, uh, you know, there's story after story talking about how God did forgive Abraham, for instance. I mean, when he began, he was a guy that worshipped idols. He didn't even worship God. He struggled with lying. Abraham was a liar. He told, he told two kings that, he told the king that his wife was actually a sister because he was afraid, but yet we know him as the father of the faith. If you track faith down, it goes back to Abraham. Moses, he's hot-tempered, and he was a murderer. He committed a murder, had to flee Egypt. But we know him as the man God gave the Ten Commandments to. How I many of y'all? Charlton Heston, right? I mean, you know, you know, he's got the Ten Commandments, got the beard, got the glow. And he led the people out of Egypt. A guy named John Mark, we know him as a coward that abandoned Paul on a mission trip. But yet, really, we know him as the writer of the book of Mark. See, he didn't stay that way. Paul started out as Saul who persecuted Christians and he helped murder Christians. Yet you and I know him as the Apostle Paul who started churches all over the place, all over Europe, and wrote most of the New Testament. Listen to me. There's nothing you've done that God won't forgive. God only wants, not only wants to free you from shame and guilt, he wants to use you, in a new way. And that's the good news this morning. He wants to use you in a, in a good way. I know it's not easy. For some people guilt's your best friend. It's like a teddy bear. But it's a teddy bear with teeth. You like to huddle it. Cuddle it. And, but it bites. It feels comfortable but it hurts. At the same time. Maybe you feel like if you step out into God's grace. That you wouldn't stay motivated. you think that you'd fall back into sin again. You know listen. Fear and guilt only work so long. And it, it probably has run out on you if you're struggling with that. It's scary, but it takes faith to step out into God's grace. But that's what I'm asking you to do today. Are you willing to step out into God's grace? Are you willing to step out of feeling guilt and shame and experience his grace? Are you willing to do that? Some some people pretend that the guilt's not there. We act like we have never done anything wrong. Pastor Kathy had a lady that wanted to become a Christian. And when Pastor Kathy said, admit you're a sinner, she looked at her and said, I'm not a sinner. I got news. You're all sinners. So nobody say that. We're all sinners. Some of you need need this verse. David said it, Psalm 32. He said, until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. Some of y'all maybe need that part of this verse. You need to say, you know what, I'm going to stop hiding them. I'm going to admit them to God. And then David said to, to himself, I will confess them to the Lord. And what? And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So if you're here today and you need to admit your sin to God, you need to confess it to God and, and give it to Him. We're going to sing. I want the band to come on up. We're going to sing and we're going to have an altar time. And um, and so if you're here and, and, you know, you want to come up, and, man, you got some, some confessing you need to do to God, you do it. Maybe you need to come up and, and you, need to, you need to feel from God that forgiveness. I want you to know today that the forgiveness, when you confess it to God, he said it, it, the Bible says He is faithful to forgive you of that sin. You don't have to carry that sin. You don't have to go around feeling bad. When you come back and say, God, I'm, I'm so sorry I did this, He's going to, wait a minute, I already forgave you of that. And about the third time you come back, He's going to go, huh? He's going to go, huh? Yeah, you can go ahead and take us offline. And, uh, and so I want you, if, if, if you're struggling with any of that, maybe you need to, to get on your knees. Maybe you need to, somebody to pray with. Maybe you've felt guilty. Maybe it's because you are guilty and you've not accepted Christ. Listen, Jesus promises to forgive when we confess. Simple as that. doesn't matter what you've done. Let me tell you what there's a serial child rapist that's in heaven today because that woman prayed with him. did he deserve it no but then neither do I see God God's grace works all the time for everybody that repents and turns doesn't matter when you repent turn so if you're here today and you need to, to turn we're happy to pray with you but Maybe you want to get on the altar. Maybe you just want to come up and stand and say, God, I give myself to you. Let's stand up. Father, as we stand and as we worship you, God, I pray for anyone.